Okay, quiet on the set, everybody. Stand by. Roll camera. Speed. Roll sound. Speed. Market. And cue talent. Hello and welcome. This week in production, I'm on location with Tom Chartrand. Greetings, Art. We have the the band is back together in its most complete form to date. Absolutely. This is this crew. is our second event in two weeks. Like literally everyone plus a few stragglers are here. And really the first time since early 2020. Yes. Yeah. Because it wasn't a complete crew in January, March. January. January 2020 was the last time the full crew was together. It's like riding a bike. And it has not been without fraught and uh, peril and uh, frustration. And I'm not going to get into all the travel drama on this podcast. Right. But there's been a world of hurt in the travel world and with one crew member in particular. But uh, that is not the topic of tonight's no. podcast. And I will just say we are actually recording this uh, sort of the bulk of the crew is left. You and I are waiting around to fly the drone. We're waiting for the golden hour golden sunshine, hour yeah. sunshine to happen. So I'm like, hey, let's break out a podcast. <laughs> let's talk about how things are. And, and this really gets back to something that I had seen. Uh, you, you Maybe you had seen it as well. There was a big promotion around uh, March or April from uh, Frame.io. Yeah. And Frame.io, if you don't know, if you're not familiar with it, it's a sort of a video collaboration workflow tool. It's a web-based tool for video approvals and annotations and, and sort of... Um, yeah, client collaboration. Collaboration. With people that aren't in the industry. It's really, really quite robust. Yeah. And, and they've taken it to a whole new level that other companies I don't think have. Right. And and it, it ties in nicely with Final Cut Pro. It has other integrations, but I'm I'm Final Cut based. So the Final Cut integration really has just tremendous benefit to me. But anyway, if you haven't seen it, check it out. But if you are familiar with it, or even if you're not, you probably heard the big splash that they made with this camera to cloud. Right. And they basically partnered with Teradek and sound devices and uh, someone, a couple of camera makers, that basically you could uh, shoot Teradek encoder on the camera and have proxy clips with matching time code and clip names being thrown into a frame uh, project on the fly. Instantaneously. Instantaneously, and you can sync your audio takes and it would do all this stuff. And then your editor or your collaborator could start reviewing making notes and then you the idea is you pull it down and you relink it to the high-res media later and it seemed great and i was actually very intrigued by the idea of doing this because for these corporate golf outings that i do a lot of speed is of the essence and if i had a way to make the review or make just make the footage even available quicker right i thought maybe it's worth investigating so i i have many Teradek encoders, <laughs> many, 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 uh, and I have their top of the line encoder. But that encoder is not supported by the camera to cloud uh, firmware that you need to make it work, which I was a little disappointed by. You had to get something newer. I, I right? no older. Oh, it was the, older. the older model. Ah, I have a seven series, yeah. and in order to make this work, you need a six series. So I didn't want to 
you know, spend, I know it sounds odd for me to say this, I didn't want to spend the money, <laughs> but I didn't want to spend the money on something that wasn't sure it was going to work. So I, I looked around a little bit. I found a used one on B&H that saved about 25% off the price of a new one. So I pulled the trigger, bought it, had some mild success with it. But the bottom line is that my Varicams don't output the proper metadata over SDI that Teradek needs to read and then send up to Frame.io. Right. So I wasn't getting the stuff you need to relink. I could send it, but it was generic Right, and so your cameras weren't correct for the platform. Right, so there's it still supports work to be Red. Done. It supports Canon. It report. It supports Sony, but not Varicam right. completely. Right, and so it doesn't do me any good, unfortunately. Right. So all of this uh, camera to cloud got me thinking about the workflow for the golf events, which was going to require a faster turnaround this year because we have so okay. many events in such a short amount of time. Right. So it got me thinking because the workflow from the past was that you would ingest uh, the camera originals right. onto a set of drives right. that were RAID 1. And then you would hand off the same media to the second DIT, Nick, who would ingest into a Final Cut library, and he would make sure that everything was in there and readable, because you don't actually really check that all the clips rolled for the right length of time. We didn't have right. any you know, camera errors, things like that. Like you're just archiving. I'm archiving, making sure everything is there, double checking that the right foursomes are together and, and all that, and that it's everything is as it was set to be. I would fix metadata if it wasn't properly put together. Right, so, right. Yeah. But you wouldn't, you wouldn't be checking to see if it rolled for the whole time or things Correct. like that. So the idea was that Nick was going to pick up the media and he would ingest it in the final cut, and we'd have a final cut library on two drives. Right. And then the, one of those drives would, at the end of the day, go back to uh, another uh, DIT guy, Joe, who I don't think has been on the podcast, but he's been like a fill-in sometimes when you or Nick is not available, but he was handling all my offloads to LTO tape. Right. And so it was a very, very time-consuming process. Right. And, and was, expensive. And and I was thinking about, you know, ways to make it better. And then flash forward to May, mm -hmm. where we got together with a small subset of the crew. We were on a golf uh, tournament mm -hmm. handling, like, the Olympic broadcast. Uh, the host broadcaster of that event were providing, you know, uh, coverage and clips and sharing media. And I brought my small tree shared storage drive and that that was the impetus of this idea it was it was a big kick in the head yeah to try and make something better and and yes. i'm not railing on small tree really but um i've had several of these devices these uh, storage devices they're network attached mm -hmm. storage right they only connect over 10 gigabit ethernet or one gigabit ethernet but you really, you really want to make 10, a 10 yeah. gig connection if you want speed. And it can do about 500 megabytes a second on a 10 gig ethernet connection with the right cables and the right boxes. Right. And anyway, this this small tree box, which is meant to be portable, it has a handle right. on it. 
And all of that stuff you worked out really well as far as what we need, what boxes you need to get everything. It just doesn't like to move. It doesn't <laughs> like to be moved. It seems right. very fragile. And yeah. and their tech support is outstanding. Yep. I can call their tech support 24-7. It doesn't matter if it's a weekend or overnight. It just does not matter. Right. I can get a response. I get help. But the box has gone down many, many times. And I've... I've right. Listened to their recommendations. I bought another box that was all solid state. It was supposed to be hot glued and all these things, and then it still had problems. Yeah. So we're on this job, and it it died. Yeah. And I was like, I don't have the confidence to say that this is going to last for the whole week. Right. So I said, well, you know, this box really isn't anything special. It's just a Been shared put together. It's yeah. just a switch essentially with with some storage attached to it. Yep. And we're not using it with um, individual user logins. Like we're using it very in a basic. very simple way. So I went to the local micro center and I bought a 10 gigabit switch yep. and a GTEC RAID. And I attached it to one of our laptops yep. and I shared it to you over SMB yep. and we tested it and it worked. It, it did. It was really solid. The speeds were good. We had a little problem with the Sandlink 3 adapters. Yes. Those are the adapters that go from, um, in this case, Thunderbolt 3, 3 to 10 gigabit ethernet. You do need an adapter. If it's in a tower, you can do it with a card. Promises the company that makes the Sandlink boxes. I have several Sandlink 2s. Those are actually faster. For some odd than reason. Than the the newer Sandlink 3, and it has to do with the driver. It needs a driver, which is a little wonky, and the 2s are better, but the 2s are clunkier to Thunderbolt 2. You need they adapters. Need power. And, yeah. The 3s are nice because they get bus power off Thunderbolt, but they, they're not fast. Right. So that, that sucked. That was all part of the sucky part of it, the whole thing. But um, using that idea, I said, well, maybe there's a way I can take this idea of using just our own shared storage and convert it to a modified format for, for the golf. Right. And so we tested this last week, you and I, we were down one DIT. So you were actually doing double duty right. of ingesting and, um, you know, part of the other problem, and I just I have to mention this problem because it's a workflow issue that you have a laptop that's running Big Sur. Yeah. And one of the P2 card readers that we use for the Varicams requires a driver, and that driver is not supported in Big Sur. Right. So you can't use the high-speed reader for the special cards on your laptop. Right. And that was causing a workflow problem because right. we were getting... Everything else does work. Everything yeah. else is great. Yes. Yeah. So... <laughs> The, the idea was, okay, I'll have to bring my other laptop, my right. spare laptop that's still on uh, Mavericks, yep. and we can use the reader with that. And then it's like, well, you know, how do we do this and that? So what I did is I built a little NAS of my own. I ran a Mac Mini, and I bought it. I So the idea was that the Mac Mini, mm -hmm. the new one, the M1, has now a 10 gigabit ethernet option from the factory. Right. It didn't have it when it was initially released. Ah. So they have that Mac Mini now that you can add in the 10 gigabit NIC. 
you know, so it's in the built-in port, right. which is great. So I bought one of those. And then um, Sonnet has this uh, Duomodo um, box. Rack mount box, right? It's a rack mount. It comes in a desktop version and a rack mount version, but I bought the rack mount. And the mini sits inside of this plate, and then you get a bridge board and two NVMe slots. And I have lots of NVMe sticks. Right. So you can put two sticks in this uh, bridge board internally, and then it's connected to the mini as external drive. And NVMe drives are very, very fast, 2,800 megabytes Super per second fast. of read-write. So it's sort of like the mini, and then I have external storage. It's external, but it's really internal. And then the whole thing sits in a rack with a power supply and, and the 10-gig switch. Right. So it's and almost like the small tree with a computer at it. It's almost like, but but it, I think it's going to be more durable. Mm -hmm. And that was really the bottom line. Right. But it got me thinking about the rest of the workflow. And, okay, how do you take this system? Because we're, we're ingesting into the uh, external disk on the mini now. Right. You're doing it through um, your my laptop. Your laptop, right. You're mounting that. SMB connection to the external Mac Mini NVMe RAID. Right. We RAID zero it. Correct. So it's a four terabyte RAID. And then you mount that on a laptop as an SMB connection. It's very fast. I think Super we tested fast. it 500 megabytes read write through the, yes. yeah. through the NIC. Now Screaming. the NIC that we're using is the OWC 10 gigabit Thunderbolt 3 adapter. Okay, right. And right. that adapter is nice because it doesn't need power. And it's fast. And it doesn't need a driver. And ah, I did not realize that. That is how it's getting the speed that um, the Promise Sandlink 3 cannot get. They're using the Apple hardware ah. driver for the 10 gig Ethernet. And so Promise is not. There's something Promise is not paying for. Yeah, some, yeah. whatever it is, <laughs> they're not doing it. So these are very good. Yep. They're not terribly expensive and they're fast real fast so you connect you're basically writing to that uh nvme raid mm -hmm. and then on another machine either nick or sometimes you or yep. whoever will have that raid mounted on their smb connection on 10 gig ether right and they're ingesting from there into a Final Cut library self-contained right onto their own raid and we've got a shared document that we track what part of the process we're in for each other so we know i'm archiving or i'm in the process of archiving and what he can ingest and what's done you know so that way he can build his library and then we've we're keeping track of all of the cards that are out in the field on on the way so it's a it's a pretty neat workflow that we both are you know really familiar with and and, and work well with right now we don't even have to talk to each other it's just mind melt right you know now the one thing that we tried and it actually worked really well you just have to have um the internet connection to do it but um right. in our first event last week so we set up a frame io watch folder and we pointed it to the final cut library media folder the original right. media original folder media. right so when you're ingesting into final cut it's converting all those formats into something that final cut understands and it goes into the original media folder and then we pointed Frame.io's watch folder to that location. Mm -hmm. 
And then everything, just as you were going, right. was being uploaded to Frame.io at the same time. Right. And that seemed to work really well. And I think if I was trying to do my own variation of camera to cloud, that is how I would do it. Well, and a question for you, would it work if we were using the Mac Mini inside through Apple Remote Desktop, would it be fast enough to generate proxies and then watch that folder so that you wouldn't need all the bandwidth that these places never have? It probably would. You probably could do it that way as well. It really comes down to, for me, mm -hmm. I'm looking for a cloud-based repository mm -hmm. for the media. So even though we have them on RAID 1s and we split them and they're in different places, sometimes it's good to have right. something else somewhere like the cloud. Because right. I'm not big on just leaving them. The, 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 problem, the problem I have in general is that I need like four drives every event. Mm -hmm. And I've got 17 events in, in you know, 12 weeks. Right. And it just gets really hard to just keep Manage buying the, the drives and then knowing where they are and, and what's been archived and what hasn't. True. And, and it's not even easy to get the drives timely these days because right. they're not always available. So proxy would work for somebody who was going to be working on the media while you're doing it, but really you want the original media I to do. archive. I yeah. do. So we did test the, the Frame.io thing, and that works, and yeah. that could be a solution. At some point, they may have this other piece working, and we could go back to doing it from the camera. But in light of that, I think the watch folder would work. But another idea that I had that I tried at my uh, office, I was using Transmit, which is an FTP client. Right. And I was doing a watch folder to the, it wasn't really a watch folder because it was already archived, mm -hmm. but I set up a transfer to uh, Backblaze. Okay. Backblaze is basically an online uh, backup uh, company. I, they, they have software that runs on your computer that will basically back up your home directory and it'll sync and do all these things. But they have a, uh, it's called a B2 cloud. And it's basically what they call cold storage, okay. long-term archive for big files. And you basically upload them through a FTP client. I use Transmit, which is a okay. very Mac-friendly FTP tool, but there's lots of other ones. And it's all you know secure and encrypted and all this stuff. And I uploaded 500 gigabytes of data from this job right. to the cloud. It didn't take more than an hour on my high speed on your high fiber. Speed, sure. And it, it was six bucks to store that. That's huge. And it's, I don't. I mean, huge in a good way. <laughs> in a good way. And because I'd normally have to put that out to LTO tape. Right. And yes, LTO tape is great, but it's expensive. And slow. it's slow. And it, there's a big expense for me because I got to pay DIT Joe to do that. And he, he does a offload and he does a restore, and he does a verify, and- It's very complete. It's very complete, but it costs money. And mm -hmm. now, as budgets are getting a little constrained for me, it's yeah. hard to justify that. So I'm looking for less expensive alternatives to that. Do you feel it's as thorough and complete and verified? Not, not right now. Yeah, you're not there yet. I'm not, because I have not tested the restore. Right. And I need to see, I need to understand what the long-term costs are. I, don't, I think if I read it correctly, I'm only paid 
for the transfer uh, to and from. Okay. So if I don't touch that file, I don't think there's a heavy cost. There's got to be some sort of subscription for just having the service available. Well, there is. I am paying to have the service. Yep. Um, and then I don't – it's to be determined. I don't sure. know the answer to yep. that. But I'm looking at this as an alternative right. to LTO archive or at least a, a – not a substitute but an, in addition to. And especially when time is constrained, you don't have that extra batch of time for that that third element of right. Uh, and jobs. and in some in some instances, this archive could be happening while you're working because uh, transmit can work with um, watch folders as well. Excellent. So if we wanted to use it in the same way we did with FrameIO with the original media folder, we could, but. I, I didn't need that in this case, but if we right. had a venue with high-speed internet, we could easily do that. Absolutely, and there's many where you can find out ahead of time if you've got access to that high-speed. Everything all right? <laughs> no, I was, I was looking at my notes. <laughs> Sorry. Looking at my notes, I, I don't always remember all the little details. So one of the factors, though, that I, I want to mention in designing this, and it was a problem early on because Sonnet, has they make external enclosures they make desktop enclosures rack right. enclosures you can put gpus in them or cards i had one that i was using with my uh, fiber converters for my ptz's for my live rig and i had a, a rack that basically connected to a laptop that let me put uh, capture cards mm -hmm. in it the problem was that that chassis was 16 inches deep and in order to rack that, you need a 20-deep rack chassis. And those are not very common. Okay. There's expensive ones that are roto-shocked and all this, but they're big. And I wanted a 3U you know, uh, case. And what I've been using for some of my gear has been these uh, SKB fly racks. Yep. They're lightweight. They're they're uh, wheeled and handled, but they're not shockproof and all this stuff. Right. But they're they're you can ship them. They're solid, yeah. And they work. And they just released a 20-deep solution because uh, I bought a very expensive custom case right. for my first Sonnet, uh -huh. and it's heavy. It's, it's, it's over 70 pounds. Right. And if I'm not on United, I can't fly it. Right. Right, because United, I get special perks, but if I were to fly a regular carrier, I wouldn't be able to put it on. Be cost prohibitive, yeah. So- this case with all the gear in it is 66 pounds. Oh, God. <laughs> so I can fly with it and yeah. I think it will be okay. We'll have right. to see what the long term dur durability is. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it definitely is more solid than, like you say, not to slag on, on uh, the small tree, but, you know, it's, it's, it's thought out well on the do-it-yourself side of things, and it's really solid and fast. Yeah, there's really no reason that you can't do this with anything. I mean, it's essentially a storage server right. that's been around forever. I mean, Apple's had file servers forever. The, the only difference is this is using SMB mm -hmm. instead of AFP or some other protocol. Right. But basically, it works, and on 10 gigabit, you get the speeds. Yeah, and it's perfect for and our workflow. And it's so simple to share on the Mac. I mean, they... Yeah. You know, you don't even need you need the server software, and it was complicated. Now it's like just a button share, yeah. And we give it a static IP to that that mm -hmm. OWC driver, 
uh, to that OWC box, and then boom. If it's the same all the time, you just create a shortcut, yeah. double click it, and yeah. you're you're logged in. That's the shared storage workflow I am trying to improve on a little bit every week. Yeah. I think it's in a pretty good place. We'll keep it'll trying be, it out. It'll and, be neat to see how it works with Nick and I tomorrow. Yeah. And then I'd love to do work through the server with my own laptop to be able to do, because I bring files and information with me when we go. I pre-do some work on the documents. So I'm, I've got two laptops next to me now, and it'd be neat to see that work with one as a... Right. If if we had, if we had the driver for Big Sur for the Panasonic card reader, you could just work from the Mini via ARD. Yes, exactly. Because I could plug everything right, right into the box, right. which would and, be great, and that would be good. But we're not there yet. You know I don't anybody know anybody at Panasonic. I you know I <laughs> called uh, I called my friend Barry, uh-huh. and I said, Barry, um, you know anything about? Um, Big Sur compatibility. He goes, yeah, it's not compatible. <laughs> I go, I know, but it's been like a year. How about right. a How about a driver update? We all know it's not compatible. Yeah. <laughs> Where are we going? How about a driver update? But I didn't. I didn't get any feedback. So, <sighs> you got to be careful about doing those upgrades. We kind of got stuck, but we're trying to adapt. We're trying right. to work around it as best we can. But yeah, it bit us in the ass a little bit. Bit me in the ass. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you and me both. So, all right. Well, we'll we'll follow up on this. Thank you for uh, sharing. Thank you for throwing new technology at me at every corner. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> otherwise it would be boring. It would be. Yes. Absolutely. I love it. All right. <laughs> for now, the first sober this week in production we've done, I this think. This is true. Is it time for tequila yet? Yeah, no, oh, not yet. we okay. got to put the drone up, and then maybe after that we'll, <laughs> we'll get to some Don Julio. So awesome. thank you, Tom. Thank you, we'll See you next time. Bye. Do you have something to say? Drop me an email at thisweekinproduction at gmail.com. Or even better, call our new TWIP voice mailbox and leave us a message. 601-564-TWIP. That's 601-564-8947. Also, a reminder that This Week in Production is available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. So please subscribe to get every episode. Lastly, if you like what you hear, would you mind giving me a rating or a review? I'd appreciate that. Okay, that's a wrap on this week in production. Thanks for listening.